Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let God, let God arise. Hallelujah. Have you ever thought that the presence of the Lord is part of the, the weapons of our warfare? Do you know the Bible says that when his, when his presence shows up, the enemy is destroyed? Amen? Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let God, let God arise. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes. Um, last Saturday at a word conference, um, I was teaching on the subject of um, total victory through the sacrifice of Christ. Today, I'm going to be taking that one step further, and I'm going to be sharing on the subject victory declarations from the sacrifice. Turn with me to Psalm 2. Psalm 2. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Psalm 2 and verse 7 and 8. It says, are you there? Psalm 2, 7, 8. Everybody there? It says, I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. I will declare, declare what? The decree. What decree? That the Lord, the Lord's decree. I will declare the Lord's decree. There is a, there is a, 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 a verse somewhere in Ecclesiastes that says there is power in the word of the king. Yes. Amen? Yes. There is power in the word of the king. And by the way, Jesus is the king of kings. kings. And you and I, we are kings and priests unto God. So there is power in your word as a king. God has given us dominion, and there is power in the word of God. When God decrees a thing, the Bible says, when God decrees a thing, it is settled in heaven. Because it is impossible for him to lie. Once he decrees it, once he speaks it, it becomes. No word of God is void of power. No word of God is without the, 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 the ability within itself to bring itself to pass. Amen? If God says today was Friday... By the time he finished that, 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 by the time he finished saying Friday, it would be Friday. Are you with me? Yes. Amen. Yes. So the decrees of the Lord. So it says, "I shall declare what the decree of the Lord." But it also says, "The decree the Lord has said unto me." Has He said it to you? Have you heard it? Did you receive it? Did you take it? Now, it's very, very important. You see, the Word of God is true to God, but the Word of God becomes true to you when you have heard it and when you take it in your mouth and you speak it. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, it says that, um, 
It says, men shall not live. Jesus said, men shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Amen. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The life comes from the word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The very utterances of God. In, 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 um, in fact, that scripture is quoted from Deuteronomy, I think it is chapter 8, when the children of Israel were coming through the wilderness and so on. And, and God says he brought them along the pathway that he did. And he wanted them to learn this lesson. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen? Now, Jesus actually, when he was tempted by the, by the enemy, the Bible says in Luke, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 12, it talks about when Jesus had one temptation and he turned to the devil and he said, it is written. And another temptation came along and then Jesus says, it is written. But in Luke 4 verse 12, I believe it says, when the devil came with, a, with yet a third temptation, Jesus says, it is said unto me. Because you see, when you say to the devil, it is written, he can now say back and say, yeah, but it's also written. God will give his angels charge over you. But when you start saying, it is said unto me, he don't have that relationship with God. Are you with me? So, I shall declare the decree of the Lord, the, the, the decree that the Lord hath said unto me. What has he said unto me? Thou art my son. Stop right there. You are my son. That in and of itself is what gives you such authority. In declaring you as a son, you no longer have a spirit of bondage again to fear. You no longer alienated from him. You are now, you are now his offspring. You are a son of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has for us, that you and I might be called the sons of God. And if we are sons, then we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Amen? Amen. The Bible says in, in Galatians chapter 4 and I believe verse 1, that a son, even if he's a child, even, even when he's a child, when he's just a little babe, he is still Lord of all. He is still heir of all. He might not be able to walk in it, and he might be underneath tutors and governors and babysitters because he has not yet matured to the place where he can get a hold of the inheritance and walk it out. But understand that as a son, there is tremendous authority to do the father's business. To do the father's, um, to do the father's business, that is the reason why you don't just want to declare anything. You want to declare his decrees. Are you with me? Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Now that is speaking about the fact that he be born again. Now you know it's, it speaks in Hebrews chapter 1, where it speaks about Jesus. Jesus after he became sin, went to hell, he himself had to be born again. Should be fine, I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, and then Jesus had to be born again, and the father says, Again I will be to him a father, and again he will be unto me a son. When he brings the first begotten into the world. And then God says, and let all the angels worship him. Declaring that Jesus was God. God the Father says Jesus is God. And, 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 says, and, and he says, and, and God said unto, let me read it right. Because it's important for you to understand that. You are not God, but you are in Christ. Yes. And you are a joint heir with Christ. You are not God and you never will be God. And you shouldn't want to be God. Amen? But do understand that. That God, that you have been brought into a fellowship with the Godhead through the sacrifice of Christ. 
And you, Jesus, as Jesus was raised up and has been made to sit at the Father's right hand, and he's been made heir over all. The Father placed all things under him and, and gave him authority over all things, gave him a, a most excellent name, that, that the, everything that he's an heir to, you have become a joint heir with him. It even says in Hebrews chapter 2 that he's not ashamed to call us brethren, because he that sanctifieth and they that are sanctified are all of one. So you and I have come into a oneness with God and a oneness with Christ. So concerning Jesus, um, when, when God brought him into, when he, Jesus was born again, it says in Hebrews 1 and verse 5, For unto which of the angels did he say at any time, You are my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again when he bring it in the first begotten into the world. Now, now he said the first begotten. Does that mean there's probably a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth and a thousand and a million? Jesus is the first begotten of them that sleep. But he is not the last. You and I were raised up together with him. Yes. Amen. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1 and verse 3 that he has begotten us again yes. by the resurrection from the dead to a living hope. So you were born again and raised up together with Christ and made to sit together with him. And you are a son of God. Yes. And he said that all the angels of God worship him. Well, the word of God says in, 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 in um. In, in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no other God before me, and you shall not bow down to any other. You shall worship no other one but God. But yet God says, let all the angels worship him. Well, I mean, God is saying that Jesus is God. Are you with me? Yes. Jesus, who is a man, raised, a resurrected man, is God. Hallelujah. All right, let me just con so let's go back there to Psalms 2. So he says, I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, you are my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me. You are my son. You are in this unique place. You are my heir. You have got certain rights and privileges. Therefore, ask of me. Remember when the, um, the, the prodigal son asked the father for his inheritance? Now we know his motives and stuff weren't right and all of that. Uh, but he did get the inheritance. He, he messed it up, but he did. So, because certain things belonged to him. He had a right to it. Amen? In fact, I don't know if he asked if the, the prodigal son asked for his inheritance as much as he demanded it. Amen. The Bible says in um, Isaiah, where God says, "Ask of me." He said, "No, no, no." He says, "Concerning the works of my hands, command ye me, and, and concerning my sons, he says, "Ask of me, command ye me." There is an asking that is a request. But there is an asking that is a commanding. There is an asking that is, a, that, is, that is based on what your rights are. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 12 to 14, The works that I do, you shall do also whatsoever you shall ask in my name. I'll do it. I'll back you up. And, you, and by that he meant, he wasn't talking about a prayer request. He was saying whatsoever you demand as your right. And when we're talking about walking in sonship, when we are talking about righteousness, when we are talking about our authority, we are talking not only about prayerfully asking, but we are also talking about the demanding of your rights. Amen? So he said, ask of me, and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance, and even the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. And he begins to talk about inheritance. Well, you and I were born again to an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, faith is not a way that is extensive. Amen? And according to Colossians 1 verse 12, the blood of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, what Jesus has done, has qualified you and I to partake of the inheritance. Mm 
Are you with me? Yeah. All right. Now, um, now here is the, here is the, here it is. Here, but what we're seeing here is we we are talking about declaring what God has decreed. We're talking about your speaking, and this subject here today is about declaring is about the victory the victory declarations that you and I can and should be making from the sacrifice of Christ, or let me even say victory declaration that we should be speaking and declaring from every aspect of the sacrifice of Christ, death, burial, resurrection, blood, the name of Jesus, and so on. Not only, not only to ourselves, but to God, to the devil at times, and at times to people, believers and unbelievers. Amen? Because you see, um, the decrees are already, is what God has already decreed. You're not just declaring anything. You're not declaring what God doesn't agree with. You are only declaring what he has already said. Circumstances and everything else might not say the same thing. But guess what happens when you say what God say? That pleases him. Amen? Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. But now what, you all, what we must also understand is that your voice has such authority. Your voice is like, you know, it, it, I mean, your voice activates. You have a voice activation thing that is happening when you speak. Amen? So that angels respond. God responds. The Holy Ghost responds. Jesus responds. The devil responds. Your words can empower, or uh, 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 your words can empower, hmm, sorry to use that phrase, in relationship to the devil, but it can empower and activate. The enemy and his kingdom. Yes. The Bible says in Hebrews, it's sorry, in First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 10. And it was talking about the children of Israel and how they, when they came up, came out of Egypt and how they had murmured. And, and coming out from that, and it said those things that happened to them was an example for us that you and I might learn. Say learn. Yeah. Don't you like learning? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so it says, neither murmur ye. Neither should you murmur, as some of them also murmured in the wilderness, and they were destroyed by the destroyer. In other words, their murmuring is what put them in, in, the, in the pathway of the enemy for him to take advantage of them. Amen? It also says, I believe it's in Psalm 70, verse 3 or 4, it says that, um, that by the words of his lips, when I take the words that come out of God's mouth, that's his decrees, and I put it in my mouth, then I can keep me out of the pathway of the destroyer. What am I saying? What you say, there's life and death in the power of your tongue. What you say can activate devil or devil, demons, angels, God, the Holy Ghost, the kingdom of God. So we got to, so we got to, Choose our words and speak them on purpose. Yes. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. I don't want to spend too much time on, on that. Otherwise, you can talk about let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth and so on and so forth. But it's not for you to know, say my words have authority. My, my, words my authority. voice has authority. Voice authority. You see, God wants you to take his word and give it voice. Where the angels are concerned, it says in Psalms 103 and verse 20, that the angels, they hearken to the voice of his word. Amen? But the, but, but the word in the page has no voice. Until you speak it, then it gets a voice and angels will move. The Hebrews 1 verse 14 say, they are ministering spirits sent forth to minister on behalf of them that are heirs of salvation. Your words will also activate and and. and, and and hook right up with Jesus' present-day high priest ministry. 
Jesus is no longer walking the shores of Galilee. Jesus is no longer hanging on the cross. But he is at the Father's right hand, ever living to make intercession for us. He is at the Father's right hand as the apostle and the high priest of our profession. Amen? And our profession, what we profess, Christianity in and of itself, is called the great confession. Amen? And we need what when we say what he says, when we say what Jesus agrees with, when we confess before men what he says, he confesses before the Father. What does that mean? It means then, as the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Hebrews 3 verse 1, he has been called, anointed, and sent forth and set in place by God the Father to watch over our words when they match his words to perform it and bring fulfillment to them. The government is on his shoulder. Did you get that? So your words literally feeds right into Jesus' high priest ministry so that he can do for you as the high priest and bring certain things to pass in your life and my life. Now what about the kingdom of God? The Bible says in, um, first of all, it says in Psalms 103 verse 19 that the kingdom of God ruleth over all. The kingdom of God is mighty. The kingdom of God is awesome in power. Amen? And it says in, in Hebrews 1 verse 8 that that kingdom, the scepter of that kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. Which means what? When, you, when, when the words of righteousness come out of your mouth, when words whereby you're speaking in oneness with God, with authority of God, according to your rights and privilege, privileges, from that place where there is no condemnation, from that place where you watch with the blood, when you are speaking the word of righteousness, that word of righteousness will activate and cause the kingdom of God to go into motion. Amen? And that kingdom of God that goes into motion is full of power and might and majesty and excellence and glory and is able to get the job done. So are your words important? Yes. So it is important and especially when you declare his decrees. Amen? Now you've got to remember something again. It says in Hebrews, I believe it's verse 1, verse 2 or 3, that, that um, Jesus upholds all things by the word of his what? The word of his power. Now, if he uphold all things by the word of his power and you want to be upheld, you better make sure that you are on his word. If you're not on his word, are you with me? He uphold all things by the word of his power. But now listen to this. The preaching of the cross is the power of God. So then, he upholds all things by the word of his power. And when you declare and you proclaim and you decree things that are coming out of the sacrifice of Christ, you are upheld. Think about that for a moment. That's wonderful. Amen? So this word, your, your, your words, mean a lot. Say they mean a lot. Now, the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 5 that the Holy Spirit, He performs what? Miracles. How does He do it? By the works of the law? No, by the hearing of faith. He performs miracles when he hears coming out of your mouth your confidence in the sacrifice of Christ. Faith, confidence in the sacrifice of Christ. He moves and he, and, and he, and he performs miracles. Which is to say then that the Holy Spirit literally brings fulfillment to what you speak, what you say that are in agreement with what Jesus has done. 
Now understand this. The Holy Spirit was poured out in direct response to the work of the cross being finished. He was poured out after the sacrifice was completed. And it's as if he came to be the seal of it all. He came to be the enforcer. He came to be the performer to perform and bring fulfillment to what Jesus has already accomplished when you and I stand and declare and decree accordingly. Amen? The Bible says that he reveals truth. Well, there is no greater truth than, 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 what, than, than the person of Jesus Christ. He is the truth. And all that he is is because of what he has done. Because life as he knew it came to an end when he died and was crucified and when he was made sin. But when he was born again, everything he became was as a result of his very own sacrifice. So what happened then? So truth is found in Christ and truth is embodied in the very sacrifice of Christ. So the Holy Spirit that is the spirit of truth that is sent to reveal and unveil truth and to perform and to confirm the truth is conforming and working hand in hand with the sacrifice of Christ. To the end that it is his will to perfect everything concerning you and bring you into the place, to bring you and I into place where experientially Romans 8 verse 2 becomes our testimony. That the law of the spirit of that life that is in Christ makes us free from the law of sin and death and sickness and disease and poverty and lack and curse and everything else that came with the fall of man. Amen. That is what he wants. The Holy Spirit is a performer. The Holy Spirit has a ministry. Yes. Amen? And his ministry is to bring fulfillment of what God has declared and, and, and prophesied and uttered concerning you. His whole assignment, you see, God had a life for us that he had planned for us from the foundation of the world. That life is the very life of Christ. That life is what we call the workmanship of Christ, the workmanship of God. That life that God had foreordained that you and I should walk in, the Holy Spirit has come to bring fulfillment to that. And, to, and you already have that life in your spirit, but he wants you to so cooperate with him, so speak, so declare, so order your conversation aright, that he can take that life and form it out in you, out in your soul, out in your body. Yes. Amen? Say thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. All right, now, um, so we're talking about declaring what? The decrees of the Lord. We are talking about declaring the decrees and declaring what comes out of the sacrifice. Now, Job, Job 22, verse 28 says, You shall decree a thing, and it shall, you shall decree a thing. Well, what you should be decreeing is what you should be decree, decreeing and declaring what God has decreed, what already is, what is, what is settled in heaven. You shall decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you, and it will cause light to shine upon your pathways. Well, Psalms 19 verse 105 says, The word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. So when you decree what the word of God says, it causes light. It, causes, it begins to guide your steps. It begins to order you in the very pathways that God had ordained for you to walk in. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. Amen? Turn with me to um, Romans chapter 10. Let's just... Take this another step. Let's, let's connect this up further to the sacrifice of Christ, which is to say the declarations and the decrees that we are to be making from that place. Romans chapter 10. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. You see, the truths that are, that are already done and finished and settled in heaven is the truth. Everything Jesus did is the truth. But according to 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, it is the preaching or the declaration of the cross that is the power of God. In other words, then, that truth becomes truth, is truth to God, but it becomes truth to you when you begin to decree it, when you begin to declare it. And that is very, very important. Amen? All right. With that thought in mind, let's look at these verses here. Romans chapter 10, from verse 6. Romans chapter 10, verse 6. But the righteousness which is of God, now what do we mean when we say righteousness? By righteousness, we mean operating and functioning in that oneness that we have with God. Yeah. And coming out of that oneness that we have with God, we speak with His authority. Amen? Coming out of that oneness, we have certain rights and privileges as the sons of God. Coming out of that oneness, having been washed by the blood of Jesus and having this fellowship with God and the Father, what happened? We are in this right standing whereby we, we are free from guilt and condemnation and inferiority and shame and we are able to stand in the presence of God as if this sin has never been. Are you with me? So it says then, that righteousness, that functioning and that oneness that you have with God in Christ, which is of faith, which comes out of the confidence in the sacrifice of Christ, speaks. It says something. It has a voice. What does it say? Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. It does not say, let's get Jesus, bring him down and let him, let him, let, and let him do it. Or, nor does it say, let's descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what says it? You know what it says? It says, I and Christ are one, and Christ is in me. That voice of righteousness, that voice of that oneness, say that I am such so one with him that I don't have to ask him to do the declaring, the, the decreeing and the declaring. But what it is, what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of the confidence of the sacrifice of Christ. Which we declare. In other words, it is saying, don't ask God to come do it. Don't ask God. Don't, don't look for Christ. But rather, you act like him. You make that identification that the life that you now live is the life of Christ. And act like it is so. And you live it by the faith of the Son of God. Are you with me? Confidence in the sacrifice of Christ gives you the right to operate in oneness with him. Romans chapter 4 and verse 5 says, faith, Romans chapter 4 and verse 5 says, that faith is counted for righteousness. In other words, faith gives you the right to operate in that oneness. Abraham's faith was reckoned to him for righteousness in verse, 90, in verse 9 of Romans 4. What does it say? It is saying that when you operate in this confidence in what Jesus has done, then you've got a right to talk from that place in God, in Christ. You got a right to talk like him. You got a right to act like him. You got a right to imitate him. You got a right to speak on his behalf. But of course, you're saying what he has already said. Amen? All right, so back to Romans chapter 10. So what says it? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And if you will confess, speak, declare with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, 
and believe in your heart what? That he had raised Christ from the dead. And believe in your heart those things concerning the sacrifice, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, you're going to be what? Saved, delivered, made whole. Amen? Why? Why? Because this is how it works. With a heart, you believe unto this righteousness. And with a mouth, confession is made unto the salvation and the deliverance and the wholeness. What am I saying? The point is, you must declare the victories that come out of the sacrifice. Amen? You are authorized to do that. Now, in Colossians chapter 2, let's just flip over there. And in a little while, we're going to go into some exercising. Amen? So you could be, and you're going to be doing some confessions and declaring that more than you've probably ever done before in this place. So begin to clear up your, um, your vocal chambers. <laughs> All right. Colossians chapter 2. You see, now the sacrifice of Christ, of course, you know the eight aspects and so on and so forth. But it's not just what Jesus did for us and for our benefit. It is also what God did with us in him. And that is so yes. critical and significant. Amen? Colossians 2 verse 12 says, and let me say this. It's like here you are. Wherever, when Jesus went to that cross, you were with him. And everything he did, you were in him. You were with him. And he was doing it on your behalf. He was doing it for you, not for himself. He didn't have to defeat the devil. <laughs> he already had authority over him. But he did it for you and I. So what was happening? What was happening when we were in him? You got to see everything he did. He is doing it with you in him. And he's doing it for you. So it says in, Col in Colossians 2 verse 12 that you were buried with Christ in baptism wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who had raised him from the dead. So he was raised, you were raised. And you be dead in the sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh had he quickened together. He made you alive together with him. And he forgave you all your trespasses. And he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. All the laws and the do not and the does not. Which were contrary to us. And he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled, spoiled principalities and powers. That means what? Having disarmed, having defeated the enemy and making a big display of it publicly. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a show openly, triumphing over them in it. Now, when he did that, you were in him. So when he defeated the devil, you were in him. And his victory over the devil is yours. And God wants you to take it exactly as that. The Bible says you were baptized into his death. And you were buried with him by baptism into death. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to 6. So all that Jesus did, he did in your place. But he did it all with you in him. And that's what it's called the faith of the operation of God. And there was this great exchange. He became poor that you might be made rich. He was made sin that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. He was rejected so that you might be accepted. Amen? And it goes on and on. He was made sick that you might be healed. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He has made, and herein is the love of God made perfect. So that he exchanged your life for his life. 
So that you, the life you now live, it is now the life of Christ. That's how perfect this love, love is. Not only are you forgiven, but the Father says, Here, look, I'm going to give you the Son. I'm going to give you my Son. I'm going to give you His life. Doesn't get any better than that. First no. John 4, 18. Amen? Now, it says, and it is all to be, and that being the case, for that reason, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, that I don't desire to know, I determine to know nothing except Christ and Him crucified. In other words, all, what all of matters is that you are to be taught, it must be the life of Christ being manifest in you and the reality that you were crucified with Him. Amen? Hallelujah. And it says that you and I mature and we grow up when we speak those truths in love. And that's what we're talking about. Speaking, declaring the things that we need to from the various, from the various places in the sacrifice of Christ. Now, as we head in that direction, I want you to, I, 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 I need you to, 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 to catch this. When you start looking as to what you are to say and how you are to speak from various aspects of the sacrifice of Christ, some of it will not make sense to your natural mind. The Bible says the natural man, or if you can put it this way, the natural mind does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. They can only be spiritually discerned. So when you are speaking, you are not speaking from the experiences within your physical body or even with your unrenewed mind or with your soul that, is, that still has some issues. You are speaking from your spirit. You are speaking from where you are in Christ. Amen? You are not speaking from a human, from a human dimension. If you try to do that and you try to see from a human dimension, it don't make sense. You see, the essence of the whole sacrifice of Christ really comes down to this. By Jesus' death, what did he do? He, tried, he more or less came to put an end to you, crucify you with Christ, put an end to you so that, they read, so that, those, so that the, the dictates from the realm of the, from humanity and from the natural might no longer rule and dominate your life. But rather you can live out of the spirit so he placed you in Christ so that that would now become, quote, the new law of the spirit of this life that you're going to be functioning in. So therefore, it says in Revelation 5, verse 9 and 10, how he redeemed you out of every tongue, every kindred, and so on, and redeemed you unto God. It therefore says in Galatians 3, and verse 28, that, that, um, that when you were baptized into Christ, you are put on Christ, and, he's removed, and, you, and in him there is no male or female or bond or free or any other such thing. That's the essence of the sacrifice of Christ. The death of, the death of Jesus has freed you from being ruled by the natural life and its limitations. You know what I heard when I was going to say that? This is what I heard. That the death of Christ has freed you from being bullied. <laughs> from being bullied by the natural life and its limitations. That's interesting. <laughs> Amen? I didn't come up with that. <laughs> right? Hallelujah. Because what is the whole objective? For us to live in this place where it's no longer you, but it's Christ that living in you. And the life you live is that you live by the faith of the Son of God. Now again, I'm going to repeat. The truth, that these truths that we are about to step into, they are true to God. But they will only become true to you when you begin to speak it in, in creation. Because it's like if you speak it, you take it out of the realm where it's settled in heaven and you bring it down here to where you live. Are you with me? Amen? Alright. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, let's begin to, um, to, to walk through some of this. 
First of all, there is the death or the crucifixion. Now, the, the issue of the crucifixion is a crucial understanding to the whole deal. It is absolutely critical. Jesus' death ended you. Yes. But not only in it, you see, when it ended you, you were crucified with him, it also ended everything about the you that it ended. So therefore, bam, there is an end to the history. There is an end to, uh, uh, um, um, to any attempt for you to be identified and defined by, 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 by that old life. That's what his death came to do. You shall no longer be defined by any curse, by any violation, by the accusations, and, and, and all of that, and anything that would separate you from Christ. That came to an end. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14 basically says, the love of Christ constrains us, and, and, and we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. You were crucified with Christ. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? First of all, dead people, a lot of things don't affect them. <laughs> Amen? What did you say? So you got to see yourself in Christ according to the new man's DNA. Everything, when you want to talk about the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, blood, you have to see from there or else the natural, the natural mind, it doesn't make sense. Amen? All right. What are you dead to? Number one, the sin nature. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. You, the old you, was crucified with Christ. Galatians 2, 20. Everyone else has been crucified. Because when, 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 when in that one died, he died for all. Then we're all dead. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. The world has been crucified to you and you to the world. Galatians 6, 14. The curse of the law. We just read a little while ago there in Colossians where it says the handwriting that was against you was nailed to his cross. You are dead to the law. Right? Now, does it mean the law doesn't exist? Does it mean the world doesn't exist? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that you are dead to it and it is not to have the voice and the authority and the rule over your life. Amen? So, let's make some... And here's where we're going to go now. I'm going to teach you one of these points and then we're going to make a confession together. Amen? And I want you to declare it. You make sure that yours, that you hear, your inner ear hear it. You make sure that the devil hears it. You make sure that God hears it. And the person next to you. Amen? So let's say this right now. This is, this is regarding death. Amen? And you speak in this. You, you, you're writing this on the tablet of your heart. Say, by the love of God, love of God. and the authority of the blood. I judge, I judge every man dead in Christ. Dead in Christ. I, cannot I cannot be manipulated nor intimidated. I am dead to self, self-identity, self-reliance, self and even self-will. I live for the will of God. I cannot be offended. No, your spirit man can't be offended. No, you got to let your soul man know that, uh-uh, he's not in charge. He might feel offended, but you, you're, not, you're not in charge. I'm not listening to you. I cannot be offended, therefore you be quiet. Hallelujah. I say, I'm dead to the law. And the works, they have no claim on me. The sin nature, pride, selfish motivation, 
They do not rule me. I do not conform to the world. Christ is my life. And he is my righteousness. Amen. Now the issue of burial. The thing about burial is not only is the person dead, but they get rid of the body. Amen. <laughs> so, um, that old life is gone. And, and, and now what you have is this new man. So let's just simply just make this declaration regarding burial. Say this with me. My old life, with all of its history, was buried with Christ and has no voice to me. All things have become new. All things have passed away. Now all things are of God. I do not remember the former things. All things have become new. I have no history. Except for where I came from in God. Except for where I came from in God. Amen. Amen. All right, resurrection. Res I want to come by resurrection and ascension. Now, the reality of resurrection and ascension is this. The life that you now live is the life of Christ. And we could end it right there. That's the reality of resurrection and, and, and ascension. So that as Jesus is, so are you in this world. And you are therefore to be as he is in this world. The Bible says that if you that if that, that if you um that if you want with him, you ought to walk like him, you ought to live like him. First John 2 6. We are no longer to live as mere men. Amen. That are separated from the life of Christ. But rather, we are to be what? Clothed with Christ, living in his sacrifice. Making no provision for the flesh. You know what that means from Romans 13, 14? It means that to make no provision for the flesh is to say that I'm not going to live outside of the sacrifice. I'm going to live continually in this identification that the life I now live is the life of Christ. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So, then, so that that natural life is limitation no longer rules you. All things have passed away. All things have become you. Make this confession here with me. Stand for this one. Hallelujah. Exercise is good. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Say this with me. No trace of anything from my humanity is present in my born again spirit. No record of history, genes, race, gender, generational curse, ancestral history, sickness, poverty, physical attributes of any sort are no such thing. None of that is in my born-again spirit. They all came to an end when I died with Christ. My new life is the life of Christ. I'm justified as if sin has never been. By the offering of the body of Christ, I am perfected forever. I have a new identity. My new identity is from Christ, is Christ himself. I am perfected forever. Blessed with every spiritual blessing. I'm made rich. All that God my Father has is accessible to me. I am sufficient in God's sufficiency. I am the heir of God. Amen? Amen. Let's have a seat. So we just talked about death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And, um, and appropriating all that is done by the offering of the body of Christ. And the reality of resurrection and ascension. Amen? 
But now, they are weapons that I believe God has given us to enforce those truths. And some of those weapons are found in the next four aspects of the sacrifice. The blood, the name, the life of Christ in us, and the promises of God. Amen? Let's talk about the blood briefly. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 24 says, um, let me, I want to quote that correctly. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 24 says, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks, say the blood speaks, it speaks better things than that of Abel. Hebrews chapter 9, from over verse, um, speaks about 9 and 1 verse 20, speaks about the blood of this covenant that has enjoined you to God. Amen? That has bring God, if you want to put it this way, underneath obligation to every aspect of this new covenant. Every aspect of this covenant is enforced. And it's active because the one who made the covenant, the testator, died. Now, a will cannot be enforced until the one that makes the will dies. Well, the one that made his will has already died. So it's enforced. So it's enforced. Now, according to the blood, you have authority over the enemy. Jesus fought principalities and powers. His victory is your victory. Amen? You have an eternal redemption. You have an eternal inheritance. You are forgiven. You are made righteous, which means you're free from guilt and shame and, and insecurity. You stand in the presence of God, um, holy and blameless, without reproach. Your conscience has been purged by the blood of Jesus. You've got a conscience that is born out of resurrection, that lives in the Spirit of God. Every promise is yes and amen and is enforced in Christ in your life. You have access to the holiest of holies and the very throne of God because of the blood. You are healed. You are qualified for every bit of the inheritance because of the blood. Amen? Amen. In him you have redemption and even the forgiveness of sins. Let's make this confession again. Let's stand again. Hallelujah. I tell you you're going to be confessing. Praise the Lord. Amen? All right. The blood of Christ. Gives me the audacity and authority to believe God in every situation. The blood has purchased my total peace. Everything is reconciled to God. To his original intent. All of the promises in Christ. They are yes. Amen. Certainty. I live in the atmosphere of redemption and reconciliation. Hallelujah. Amen. Now let's remain standing. Now there is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is what gives you authority to approach the throne of God. The name of Jesus is your authority in prayer. The name of Jesus gives you communion with the Father. The name of Jesus gives you authority to cast out devils. And, to, and it gives you victory over the enemy. The very works of God are done in his name. The boldness that you and I have is because of the name of Jesus. So let's say this right now regarding the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus belongs to me. The name of Jesus in my mouth has the power of Jesus himself. I have access to God the Father. My Father. Through the name of Jesus. I have authority over devil and demons. Through the name of Jesus. 
All victory is mine. In the name of Jesus. I have life through the name of Jesus. Amen? Okay, let's have a seat. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now the Bible says regarding the life of Christ, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10 and verse 9, having saved, who had saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus when? Before the word began. And is now made manifest at the appearing or the unveiling of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It also says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, to be sober and hope, and hope for the grace that is going to be brought to you at the revelation of Christ Jesus. In other words, as the more this life of Christ in you is revealed, the more grace will, become, will come to you. Amen? Because grace and peace is multiplied by the knowledge of him that is in you. Amen. Hallelujah. So the whole objective of this new life is what? It is to live the life of Christ and that life of Christ being lived through you. No longer you to live, but it's Christ that liveth in you. Amen? First John 4, 9, same thing. Herein is the love of God manifested. That what? That he might live through us. That we might live his life that we might function in that life of Christ. And as we function in our life of Christ, 2 Timothy here, verse 1 and 10, um, verse 1, verse 10 says, immortality and the very hope of the calling, the hope of glory, they are all brought to light. The purposes of God for you, the grace of God, what God has spoken in your life that he wants to see fulfilled, these things come to light. To be fulfilled as that life of Christ in us is unveiled and as we walk in that life. So let's make that confession regarding the life of Christ. Say this with me. The life of Christ is now my life. It's my new life. And out of that life flows all the deliverance, all the salvation, healing, and victory that those around me need. The life of Christ is the very purpose of my existence. I reckon myself dead with Christ that I might live the life of Christ. I totally identify with the sacrifice of Christ that the life of Christ would be made manifest in my body and through me. Hallelujah. Amen. The last one. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 that God has given us great and precious promises. That by these promises we might be a partaker of the divine nature. In other words, here is the divine nature. And these promises are, are telling you what's inside this divine nature. And you can take these promises and partake of what's in that divine nature. In other words, draw it out. Amen? So... Let's make this confession. Say, the promise of God declares what I have in my spirit. The promises of God declares what's already mine. The promises of God reveals every aspect of the divine nature that is in me. I have all things that pertain to life and godliness. 
I fight the good fight of faith that I might lay a hold of this eternal life, the nature of God that is in me by the promises of God. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, that no matter what you go through, in all of these things you are what? More than conquerors. How? Through him that what? Now, him that loved us. What does that mean? No greater love was any man than this, but that he what? Laid down his life. That's the sacrifice. To him that loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ what? Died for us. The love of God was commended and demonstrated while we were sinners. He died for us. So we are more than conquerors to him that loved us means we are more than conquerors through the sacrifice of Christ. Now it says in, in um, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 7, he that overcometh, well, this is the victory that overcometh, even our faith. Yes. Amen? We have victory through the sacrifice of Christ. So Revelation 21 7 says, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. He that walks us out, he that has confidence in the sacrifice of Christ, stands, remains, declares, decrees, he will possess all things. So, so then, what is the point? We are more than conquerors through the sacrifice of Christ. And he that successfully applies the sacrifice of Christ shall inherit all things. He shall have, he shall manifest, and he shall experience all of inheritance. How? By recognizing, receiving what is already done, what Jesus has already accomplished, and recognize that what he has accomplished and what he's already done, the Father has decreed it. The Father has already spoken it. The Father has already uttered it. The Father has ordained that this is the life he has for you. So now he says, you make it real to yourself by taking what I've decreed and you begin to declare it. Yes. You begin to decree it. And then watch me watch over that word to perform it. Yes. For God has ordained that the preaching of the cross, mm -hmm. God has ordained that, the, that the, when you preach, to manifest his word through preaching. God is ordained and God says, this is how it works. When you say what my words say, I'm going to cause it to be made manifest so that you can have the experience of the word itself. Yes. Because the word has the ability to bring itself to pass, but it must be mixed with faith. Yes. And the mixer is in your mouth. Amen? The mixer is in your mouth. you got to take the word of God, put it in your mouth, speak it, declare it, and then as you, can, and as you do so, what happens? Then the power of God begins to be revealed, released, and so that these things can begin to be established in your, in, in your life. Say, I have the victory. I have and I have authority. I have and I have boldness to speak the word with boldness and with confidence in the name of Jesus. My spirit is a spirit of love and power and a sung man. I have a spirit of boldness. I have a spirit of diligence. I have a tenacious spirit. The lion of the tribe of Judah is part of the characteristic of my spirit. That's the life in me. It is his life. And in the words of a king, there is power. I am a king and a priest unto God. My words have power. My voice has authority in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. Because I speak 
in the name of Jesus. I speak from in Christ. I speak from the sacrifice that is total victory. My voice has authority. My words have power. They shall not fall to the ground. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. Glory to God. You receive that? Yes. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yes. Pastor Dad, you have a few announcements? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So uh, around this uh, season of Christmas and New Year, we have a few events. Next week, next week uh, on 